0: Living the Word Today.
1: So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what He wants to say to us.
0: LivingTheWordToday.com. Look,
1: the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living.
0: Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Waggoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word.
1: This joy that the Lord offers us is available in the Lord Jesus. And I want to take you today, we've been looking in Luke chapter 2 at the angel's announcement. Uh, there's three descriptions in that passage where it says that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We looked at Savior, we looked at Christ. Next, Lord, next willing, Lord willing, next Sunday we'll be looking at the term Lord. So I only had three in there and only had, but I had four weeks. So we have got to have to dip somewhere else. So I'm going to take you back to chapter 1 and uh, of Luke, Luke 1 and verse 31. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, when you think of a name, it says something significant about us, we, we, we react to it, it you know, our, our personhood is attached to it. I was somewhere yesterday, and there was a little, little boy there, and he uh, told me his name was Jonah. I was tempted to say, well, that's been a notable name for 3,000 years, but I didn't know if he would relate to that being his, his young age. So I said, the normal question he asked, well, Jonah, how old are you? And he said, I am five and three quarters. I guess when you're five, that three quarters, I'd like to take the three quarters off if I could. So, a name. Both when in in Matthew, when an angel shows up to tell Joseph that this baby that Mary is carrying has been a special uh, blessing from God, he gives Joseph the name this child is to bear. Long before the child is even conceived here in Matthew, or excuse me, in Luke chapter one we find out that Jesus is given a name. Look at verse 31, Luke 1. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, if you look at the next verse, it begins with this phrase that he will be great, he'll be the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He reigned over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will be no end. That's, that's pretty heavy stuff and significant stuff. But the first designator, the first statement about this one's coming is that his name would be Jesus. Now, that's not a name picked out of a baby book or a list of names or named after someone. But the name itself has meaning for us. I'll give it to you right now. The name Jesus means simply God saves. It's a form of the Old Testament term or name that we know as Joshua. So it's not a unique name. It's not one that never been heard of before, ever been attached to somebody as a given name. But this name of Jesus was to signify the reality of who he is and what he had come to do. Jesus saves. Now I want you to think with me about the use of that name. Now, every time after he was born... Jesus was held in the arms of his mother, and as she bent over to caress him and whispered in his ear the name Jesus, she saying, God saves. Every time Joseph, as a toddler, this little boy going around his area of work, every time he would call him to, to come into his presence, he was saying, Jesus! But what he was saying was, God saves. When he was 12 years old, when he was in the temple, and it's not recorded that they ever called him by name, but it stands to reason this one who's answering questions and debating theology with these great learned scribes and teachers of the law, they were amazed at what he knew. You'd think somewhere along the line they would ask him, son, what is your name? And I would just imagine that he said Jesus. And usually you would have a designator with it because last names weren't like we use last names. So he'd probably say Jesus from Nazareth or something such as that. But when Jesus spoke the name in the hearing of all these who were supposedly looking for the coming of the Messiah, and here's this one that's even at age 12 doing amazing things, they were hearing whether they believed it or not, whether they understood it or not, they were hearing, God saves. Move forward in the narrative. Every time that Jesus spoke, every time that he preached, And there was a gathering of people. And there was ever a question, who is that? Who is the one that's healing? Who's the one that's preaching? Who's the one that's doing these miracles? It's Jesus. And embedded into the name was the fact that God saves. Every comment, every discussion, every question, Jesus. God saves. And then there's the scene back in Jerusalem in the quiet and darkened halls of the temple where there were those who were plotting his demise. What are we going to do with Jesus? Unknowing, uncaring, opposed to him, but they were saying the name, God saves. When he was condemned before the high priest, when he was taken to Pilate for ultimate execution, The name Jesus was spoken, whether they got it or not, that God was saying through this name, God saves. Jesus, God saves. Even the demons tremble at that name. And then there's us. Every time, whether we're on our highest height of a mountain in the experience of life, those grand moments that we would love to repeat incessantly, when we say the name Jesus, we're proclaiming. God saves and when we're at our lowest in the deepest valley when we have no other place to turn but to come to say and to cry out with what seems like our last ounce of strength to to speak with the breath to say the name Jesus we're saying God saves when we lift our voices in song and we say the name Jesus we're saying and proclaiming that God saves God saves if you want to know what's near to the heart of God, you want to know what's the core of his mission, if you want to know what he thinks of you, it's embedded in this name. God saves. And that salvation is open to everyone who will but believe and accept it. That people like us, sinners that we are, messes that we are, inconsistent as we are, as dramatic as we are, as... Fickle as we are, the name Jesus rings through the years. and may it ring in our ears and resonate in our hearts and may it become the core of our understanding of who we are and who he is and our relationship to him is this. God saves. Now, I want to just ask you, how do we respond? How do we respond in love to a God who saves? How does that happen? We respond in love to a God who saves us. That's the the normative thing. We we express our love back to him. As we think of this one who this angel says, you will call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. God saves. I suspect that probably in some, either in the immediate moment or some moment of reflection, as it says in scripture, as she ponders these things in her heart, that she thought about the name and the meaning of it that God saves. God saves. So, how do we respond in love? How do we do that? I want to take you to a place that's just a few chapters over. I want to take you to chapter 7 of Luke. And we're going to let a very unlikely person, at least in the eyes of those who were watching that day, a very unlikely person just remind us of how we can love The Lord who has saved us. The God who saves. Jesus, God saves. That he wants to save us from our sins. To save us from punishment. To save us from hell. To save us from pointlessness. To save us from punishment. To save us from disaster. To save us from all that is wrong. And to bring us back to himself. Verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. I wonder what all kind of people there were in the city. He's a farmer. He's a potter. He's a a craftsman. She's a homemaker. She's a worker of textiles, a seamstress. And she, she's a sinner. How would you like to have that attached to your name? It's not just that she's a sinner because we're all sinners. She was known, I mean, if she printed up a business card, that's what people would expect to see on it. Now, we don't know what about her lifestyle. We can imagine, and it's not really that important to our context. But her lifestyle was so out of sync with what was expected and what really was, should have been the case. It says, this woman, and just Luke just says it that way. He just says it in bold language. A woman who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. That doesn't mean much to us, but that was a costly, pricely extravagant gift to bring all right it was hard to come by it wasn't it wasn't off the, the shelf at the dollar store okay this was something that you had to invest in verse 38 she stood at his feet behind him and that seems a little strange you have to understand they didn't eat at a table sitting at a table with a chair and thing like we do typically when they'd have a banquet they would have sort of like a, a low table and little couches and you'd sort of you'd sort of recline you kind of eat you can turn and talk to people it's kind of a different setting. Sorry if that ruins the whole Last Supper picture, but vinci that's, you know, all you guys get on that side of the table for a banquet today. So she comes up behind him as his feet are away from the table. She began to wash his feet with her tears. So she's crying, she's weeping, and the tears are dropping on dropping his feet. And she wiped them with the hair of his head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. And all this is going on. And then the Pharisee thinks what everybody else was thinking. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. <laughs> it's a good reminder. God eavesdrops. Did you know that? God, God listens in. Your, your, your brain is bugged. Saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. If he only, I mean, he's definitely not a prophet now. If you thought he was a prophet when he came in, he's just kind of, he, his, his cover is, go, is gone. It's all exposed. He is not a prophet because he would know. You, he, he, prophets don't hang around with women like this. He would, he'd say, get out here. He'd shoo sure her out. And by the way, it's kind of interesting because typically when you had a banquet like this, you'd leave the doors open because if you were a notable person, you'd want people to kind of come in, look in, and step around. you kind of like to be the audience for that you were on display. And you would listen to the discussion, that sort of thing. seems strange to us. If you have a bunch of strangers show up at your Christmas dinner, you'd probably think that's a little odd. But that was common in their day. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say it. I kind of think he's thinking, he's going to ask me a question. I'm going to give a great answer. I'm going to be so looking good. Just give me a chance to show off my Phariseeism for you. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 eye, and the other 50. When they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? One has this enormous amount of debt. One has a little bit of debt. Even for both of them, just wiped out debt. Who's going to respond and love more? Who's going to respond more? And he gives the correct answer. Simon answered and said, I suppose it's the one whom he forgave more. And he said, you have judged rightly. Finally, he addresses the woman. He t- turned to the woman and said, or he, he mentions her, said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven... The same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. By the way, all the oxygen went out of the room when he said that. Those who sat at the table, verse 49, with him began to say to themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Because they knew correctly that only God can forgive sins. The one thing they were missing was the one they were looking at was the one who was named. God saves. The reason he was there is because God saves. The reason that we read about him is he's—it's a reality that God saves. So he says, this woman has loved much. I just want to think about how she loved. First of all, here's what we need to do. And I'm just going to put it in form that we would talk to us right now. But simply this, whatever our life is, wherever it's been, whatever is back there in our past history, whatever has gone on in the past and even forgetting about the future for a moment, Turn your eyes to Jesus because Jesus saves. Turn your eyes to him. Focus on him. Think of him. You've done a good thing by coming this morning to think to him, to think of him, to be with him. Now, when you think of him, there's going to be probably some moments you feel a little guilty. She did. And she comes and she's pouring out her her heart to him. She's crying. She's doing everything she can do to try to express her love to Jesus. And Jesus says the reason she loves much is because she understands that she's been given, forgiven much. I don't think it's primarily like she's got, you know, a gigando load of sins forgiven and you have a small load of sins. She just really knew because of that background of her lifestyle and everybody else called her, hey, look, there's the woman that's a sinner. She had a greater appreciation for her sins forgiven. And you and I, as we look to Jesus, yes, we're going to understand our flaws But immediately we see his grace, that God forgives sinners like this woman. Why? Because God saves. And God forgives sinners like every last one of us, because God saves. Has he saved you? If he has, rejoice. Love him in return. Give him your attention, not just your head, give him your heart. The Pharisee is sitting there thinking, Well, who is this woman, and who is this prophet? He's not much of a prophet. If you knew about this woman who's a sinner, let me ask you a question. Yes, I'm ready to answer the question. It was all up here. It was all his pride on display. It was all just thinking. For her, it had descended into her heart, knowing that I do not deserve anything but the eternal rejection of Almighty God. But instead, she was encountering the grace of God. Jesus didn't brush her away. He welcomed her actions. He calls her out for it. He proclaims her sins are forgiven turn your eyes to him we do that by coming together we do that by gathering together and you've done that this morning i thank you for that there's something just special about god's people being together by the way god's people being together is not optional to god sometimes we act like it's optional to us but it's really not optional to God. He, 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 he puts it in writing in the text of Scripture that this is his preference. This is what he expects. Now, I understand there's all time, you know, the flu's run through your family. Please stay home, okay? And try to get back as quick as you can once everybody gets non-contagious, okay? We understand that. Things happen. You travel, all that. But this should be the priority, to be together, to turn our eyes upon the Lord. And there's something about worship. There's something about the preaching of God's Word that God just can redirect our thoughts back to him number two we need to worship jesus because he saves and you see this in her kissing his feet you think about the lowliness of that you think about the humility of that you think about the the pathos of that think about the emotion of that think about the the passion of that that she so loved the lord she just kisses him he notices he appreciates that he welcomes worship maybe we could say it this way Worship is just communing some, communicating something from our hearts to the God who saves. He likes to hear from us. He likes us to express our thoughts, our opinions, our love. And she does it in actions. She does not say a word in this entire story. Did you notice that? She doesn't sing a hymn. She doesn't pull out a guitar and sing a solo. She doesn't teach a message, doesn't give a little homily, doesn't give a message, doesn't do any of those sort of things. She just comes and does what she can do. To express our hearts back to God. We do that through service. We worship, yes, with our singing. We do it with our praying. We do it with all those sort of things. But really the totality of what he's built in us, he needs to give. Now, the problem we have in church life is sometimes we think the only people serving God are the people that are up on a stage. Wow, he's preaching a sermon. He's praying a prayer. They're singing. They're leading us in worship. That's the people that are serving God. And yes, they should be, and yes, they are. But whatever God has given you, whatever talent he's given, whatever he's placed you in, we all can use our talents to serve the Lord. I was talking to someone recently, a lady that's just recently become part of our church family, and I just kind of was kind of trying to figure out the connections. I really don't know how she got here the first time. I didn't get that part of the story. But she told me about the life group that she's involved in. She said, this has just changed my life being with this group of people. And I said, well, how did you get that life group? Someone invited me. Someone just said, why don't you come with me? And I went, and I haven't been the same since. There's someone, and I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't catch the name, so I'm not going to call anyone out this morning. There's someone who just has some interpersonal care and a relationship to reach out to somebody who's new and say, why don't you come and join me in this experience? We can do it beyond the walls of the church too, by the way. We've been talking about that in the last week. For some of you, it's you have the ability to write. I invited some folks this week online to say, why do you celebrate Christmas? There's one person that voted for Santa Claus, and that's okay. That's all right. Everybody else, if there were some beautiful things some folks wrote just to express their heart to the Lord in writing, if you have that ability, write for him. If you have some art, artistic ability, use that for the Lord. If you have some organizational ability, we all know the church needs that. Whatever it is you can do, whatever that talent is, and you think, my talent is so small. No, you give it to him as an act of worship. I do this for you, Lord. I do this to further your kingdom. I do this to, to make this world a better place. I make this world a more beautiful place. I just represent you well. We all are worship leaders if we use the gifts that God has given us also give to Jesus because he indeed saves she takes this alabaster box by the way you would break this thing open and there was no closing it back up so it was all or nothing once you opened it it was kind of like a piggy bank without a rubber stopper in the bottom All right, once you broke it it's all out and it doesn't go back in it was a full on gift so it was, it was costly and she gives it to the Lord you're a giving bunch by the way I don't know if you know this I don't know what anyone gives except what I give and Julie and I give I don't want to know what anyone gives. I, I, I just, I'm, I want to be away from that. That's not my thing to know. But I do know this. I see the total of what we give. If you come to our business meeting this afternoon, you're going to be shocked at how much God's people give to the work of the Lord and how much resources he's entrusted to us to serve him. So I simply say this. Thank you. And also, I would say this, if you're considering if this is a place that you should invest some of your money in as an act of worship, let me just assure you, I believe you're investing in something very good for the kingdom of God. And I think it's a very safe investment in God's kingdom. But she gave. She gave. Why do we give? You know, we don't make a big deal about giving. You have to find that basket. You have to go looking for it. We don't even pass it under your nose. But you give, and thank you for that. We give because we love. Have you noticed... It's it's so easy to buy a gift for somebody when you love them. We just want to give. We we, we wish we could give more. We just are excited about giving. Jesus said it this way. It's it's more blessed to give than to receive. And if If you really have a giving heart, you experience that and you know that. Lastly, look at how this story ends. Your sins are forgiven. Those who sat at the table, 49, began to say to themselves, Who is this even forgive sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Sins forgiven, forgiven on the basis of faith, and he says, go in peace. Now have a different life than what you've had. No longer do you need to be marked as sinner. You're now a saint. You're now a follower of Christ. You're now a disciple of Christ. So I simply say to you, just in case, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted him as Savior, the name Jesus simply says and means this God saves, and He will save you. How do we, how we receive that? Your faith has saved you. It's not doing a bunch of good works, thank God, because we can't do enough. It's not being ultra religious in some ways, although there's some good things in our religious traditions and our religious customs and practices, yes. But that's not what saves us. It's believing that He. Is the Savior. It's believing those words that are wrapped up and bound up and cemented into this name that we use so frequently and so often, and it simply means God saves. If you'll put your faith in Him, if you will trust in Him, if you'll believe in Him, He will save you. Your sins will be forgiven, and you can go in peace. If we could help you take that step this morning, talk to one of us as pastors, you come with a Christian friend or family member, say, I just really need to know what this is all about. He's talking about being saved. I, I, need, I, need, to, I need to explore this a little more. We'd love to explore it with you. We'd love to see you come to Christ. We'd love to see you turn to him. We're going to be praying for the many people who are going to sit in the seats you're sitting in right here this morning over two services on Tuesday morning. You be praying. Let that be something you pray about. That there will be some of those that will hear the truth that Jesus saves and they will come to faith in him. If you need him, come to him this morning. If you know him, keep following. I'd love to hear. Would you love to hear the rest of this woman's story? I mean, if she wrote a book, I'd buy it, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd buy it. I'd, I'd buy the audiobook, I'd buy the Kindle version. I'd buy something. I'd love to hear the rest of her story, but that's where her story ends as far as we know. But I'll tell you what. It was an exciting change, an exciting adventure. And maybe someday in eternity, we're going to get the rest of the story. But I do know this: you should call his name Jesus. Rejoice, love, and worship the fact that God sent.
0: Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you, and the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.